You are about to hear a message from one of our worship services at Rescue Church, located in West New York, New Jersey. If you'd like to visit or learn more about us, please check out www.rescuechurch.tv. It's really something that we actually stop for a few minutes and allow the Lord to really work. Because many times in our life, we come to the Lord with problems. And I've been there. You know, I mean, I came to the Lord because my family was in a crisis. And we come to the Lord a relational crisis, a marriage crisis, a family crisis, a health crisis, a financial crisis. And so many times the Lord will show himself very real in our life, especially when we come to him. And then, you know, we start walking with the Lord and we think like everything is all good. And then we don't realize that there's things in our life that God wants to deal with, remove, and heal us of. And so we're like, yeah, let's go on a missions trip. Let's do this, let's do that. And I think that that's really awesome. But I think that in the priority system of God, your sons and your daughters, and God wants you well. Like that is primary, like, Number one, and I want to show you that from the scripture. I don't want you to think that I'm making this up. So anyway, Gen- um, not Genesis, excuse me. Isaiah 61. Now, I know we went over Isaiah 61 on Sunday, but what you're going to see is you're going to see me go at Genesis. I mean, dear Father in heaven. So, maybe I should go to Genesis. Or maybe I should go to sleep when I go home. It's a good thing we have a video editor that's getting cut out. <laughs> okay. Isaiah 61, page 983. <laughs> In my Bible. So, Isaiah 61, what I want to do this evening is I want to do a verse by verse. I want to show you the activity of God. So, you're going to see in this Isaiah 61, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you're going to see God working with himself for his own purposes. And in the text, you're going to see God's own priority, his priorities in this text. So I want you to, I'm going to come at it at a different way. Okay. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So this is verse 1. In verse 1, what we have is the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the Ruach. If it would be Holy Spirit, it would be the Ruach Kodesh, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. So here we see in verse 1, we have the Holy Spirit in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord, Adonai, or the Son, the Spirit of the Son. 
God is upon me. So the Spirit of the Lord, the word Lord, Adonai, the word God, Yahweh, Father. So in verse 1, right here in verse 1, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working. Wholeness is when we are in agreement with ourselves. God is in full agreement with himself. When you're double-minded, you're not whole. When your heart and your mind are at war, you're not whole. When your flesh is warring against your spirit, you're not sanctified. Because your, your flesh, actually, believe it or not, can learn to long for the presence of God. So your flesh can actually, as you get sanctified and get healed, your flesh actually plays a very important role. And when Paul was speaking about being martyred, he was talking about the offering up of his body as a sacrifice. So, but God does not receive anything that's not sanctified for him. So you're, let me just give you encouragement. There is victory over the flesh and your flesh will serve the purposes of the Lord. Okay, so I want to encourage you with that. So now in verse 1, you're seeing the Ruach, the spirit of Adonai, uh, Yahweh is upon me because the Lord, Yahweh, has anointed me. So if you go to Matthew 3, you'll see the Father anoints Jesus. Matthew 3, you guys with me? Remember, he's in the river, Jordan, and he says to John, come on, it's time to fulfill all righteousness. And heaven opens, the Spirit of God comes on him. And so in Matthew 3, you see like a family reunion. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the River Jordan. I don't, I can't preach that whole thing because we're going verse by verse tonight. But this is that right there. So this was the, the foretelling of that in prophetic language here. So here we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together perfectly in the ministry of the Messiah. Now, this ministry, this preaching has a specific message, a specific audience with specific results. And so this is, this is kind of what I want to get into. Um, now the message is for the poor, it's good news. And the word poor here means the bowed, the afflicted, the humble, the meek, the depressed, the gentle, the needy, and the saintly. So th these are people who are aware of their need. So the gospel that is good news is received best by people who are aware that they have a need. Are, are you guys tracking with me? So this is why people who think they're okay can't receive. And Jesus did not preach tolerance. Jesus preached repentance. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance but here's the problem if you don't think you have sin then you don't need a savior so the poor that they're talking about isn't you because you think you're rich and you think you're okay so this is this message of the kingdom of God is for those who acknowledge their need you don't have to be like economically poor to realize that you have a need that you can't fix on your own and so that's good news okay now the healing and freedom are the results of the right message to the right audience. Here you see God starts with binding up the brokenhearted. Then he sets captives or prisoners free. So there is healing and freedom as God's number one priority. 
So God goes to the poor, the needy, the depressed, the, 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 the meek, the humble, those who acknowledge they have a need. And what does he do? He gives them good news. What is the good news? The good news is deliverance and the good news is healing. This is priority number one. Listen, if you are not healed and you are not free, you cannot be a kingdom laborer because you're not experiencing the kingdom. So our, our primary thing is like we want to just do stuff and God is like, I, I love that about you, but I want you to be free. I want you to be healed. And that starts with the work of the Spirit on the inside. And this is not a fast work. This is a work that takes patience. This is a work that takes trust. This is a work where we learn to walk with God and He begins to address things in our life that we don't even know are broken. The other day I got a testimony from someone who has an eating disorder, didn't even know why she had an eating disorder, didn't even know she had it. So that means, think of how long she lived with it, think of how much it hurt her, right? And so God wants us to be okay with saying, hey, maybe we're not okay. And that's okay because he has freedom and healing for us. So that means that is all we have to do is say, God, I need your help. And he's like, great, I'm there. And, and so he'll work with us through this. Okay, verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. Watch this. He explains what this vengeance looks like. It doesn't look like the vengeance we think of. It doesn't look like tanks and bombs and missiles. It looks like this. To comfort all who mourn. You see how that's different from the world? That's a whole different... The kingdom is about dying for love, not killing for freedom. So, I just want to say that the kingdom is different than empires. So I don't want to go into all that and start that because that's, that's an everlasting bunny trail. But, but it's just different. Okay? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So now, the acceptable or the pleasing year of the Lord, which is Yahweh, it's the Father, the day of the vengeance or the revenge of Elohim. So here this is referencing Father. And Father's revenge is to comfort those who mourn. This is how he takes revenge on the enemy. By healing, being the children's bread. By God comforting us in our pain. Why? Because if God comforts us in our pain, we don't continue in sin and get more pain. That's why where you take your pain is one of the determining factors of the trajectory of your life. That, that is... Like, where do you take your pain? Okay? This is another endless bunny trail. I'm going to pull that back and not do that. But one of the ways God takes vengeance is simply by comforting the mourning. The mourners are those who mourn over their own sin. The mourners are those who mourn over the sins of the world. 
The mourners sometimes are mourning for what could be and what should be and often isn't. That's where intercession comes in. But these are the people the Father meets with, the people who are willing to acknowledge their own brokenness, to look at the world's brokenness, and to see hope and to see potential. And one of the ways that God takes vengeance is by comforting those who mourn so that the mourners have something to give to the world. Now, let's continue. Um, to proclaim the acceptable year. So this is the jubilee. This is the cancellation of debts. And, and look at, remember how it's tied. It's tied in Leviticus 25 to the Day of Atonement. So there is a connection to the forgiveness of sins, check this out, and the cancellation of debts. Okay? And when Jesus spoke about forgiveness, he always talked about it in the context of money. He never talked about it in the context of feelings. He always talked about it in a way that is black and white, clear, not a feelings thing. Okay, now, mourn in Zion, or the presence of the Lorders, the, excuse me, the presence of the Lord. The mourners make out pretty good with God. <laughs> Watch how the mourners do. Like, verse 3 is going to show us that the mourners are actually doing quite well. <laughs> um, okay, to console those who mourn in Zion. Again, if you're going to mourn, we're not going to be mourning at the bar or the refrigerator or the mall or the website. We're going to mourn in the presence of the Lord. In a biblical context, 59 out of 150 psalms are psalms of lament. There's a whole book called the Book of Lamentations. This is a huge kingdom principle. Jesus wept over people. Lazarus, and places Jerusalem. Learning how to lament is critical. If you don't learn how to mourn or lament, you'll become mentally ill. People who don't know how to mourn become mentally ill because they become delusional and, and it really damages their conscience and God doesn't want that for any of us, okay? To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. One of the things you have to realize is when God plants you somewhere, it's to prosper you, and when he prospers you, he's glorified. If everything in my life is by the sweat of my brow, then I'm living with this, the curse of sin and death. And I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard, not saying anything like that. But if my whole life is only dependent on my own capacity, on what I can do, on what I can earn, on, then I'm, I'm really limited to me, which for me is quite a sad story. <laughs> Maybe some of you it's not as a sad story. But for me, that's quite a, a not, not the most encouraging story. And so I, I don't want to be limited by me. I want to be unlimited by him working in and through and even for me, not like he works for me, but he's working on my behalf. He is going to finish what he began in me and he's going to perfect that which concerns me. So that means that he is actually 
in the same way like Jesus washed the guy's feet, like God is cleansing us, he's, he's working for us, not like we employ him, but he's working on our behalf. And that's good news. Like if you want anyone to speak for you, let it be him, you know? Um, so, okay, the oil of joy. So you can have joy or mourning, but it's not joy or mourning. It's mourning so you can have joy. Does that make sense? So it's not one or the other. It's mourning so that you can receive comfort from God, which is the strength of God, which the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that means that I bring my brokenness or my ashes and I get what in return? His beauty. He's able to beautify situations that look like nothing redemptive could come out of it. I've seen him do it in, in the most painful things in my own life. So I'm not just saying this from Bible knowledge, although it's true. I'm saying it from Bible knowledge, which is true, and also experiential knowledge, which I have seen and witnessed firsthand, and other people have witnessed in the same way there was eyewitnesses to the resurrection. There's eyewitnesses to the resurrection in our life when something that seems beyond hopeless, like totally dead, God brings it back to life and there's joy that comes from that. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. We see that in John 15, that the Father is the vine dresser, which means that God is a blue-collar worker who doesn't mind getting his hands dirty with the mess of our life. So he is the one who plants, and he is also the one who prunes, and he is also the one who removes. So when God is planting, pruning, or removing, let him. That's my encouragement. Let him. Okay. Now, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. This is also good news. Because you go from a prisoner who is stuck, which is not a good metaphor, to a tree who is planted, which is solid and steady. So, those are, that's a picture of what your life should look like. So you used to be like a caged animal, but now you're like a beautiful tree that flourishes. And um, that's, a, that's a, anyway, it's good. So in verse four, you're going to see here, and they, the narrative shifts from me, the Messiah, Jesus speaking, to they. The people he ministered to becomes his ministry team. This is very important. Those who have been healed, freed, comforted, clothed, I'll even throw another one in there, planted. These are the people that have a ministry assignment of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, which Paul talks about. That's extra, it's not in my notes. Um, they have the assignment of rebuilding, restoring, and repairing. But that can't be real until it happens in me. So 
this is this is something that many times we want to evade the part that actually leads to us becoming whole because we're itchy to do something. And I like to do something just, just like the rest of you, but the priority of God, He didn't say they'll get saved and then they'll rebuild. No. What does He say? Good news. Healing. Liberty. Cancellation of debt. I mean, this stuff... You're talking about, like, there's economic implications to the gospel going to work in your life. The cancellation of debt. Uh, the, the jubilee. God taking vengeance by comforting. There is joy. Beauty for ashes. There, there's a great, the creativity of God. Where God actively involves himself in your life and begins to paint a beautiful picture with which with something that was once broken beyond description so the word brokenhearted is also the more shattered so God comes in on something that is shattered and he's able to mend it and beautify it and resurrect it from the dead and but I can't evade the process of God if I want to live in the purposes of God especially if I want to have longevity in the purposes of God like you may come in, burn up and burn out, but if you want to keep burning for 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, then my suggestion is just simple. Like when God brings something to your attention, let's go ahead and deal with that. You know, he, he's, a, he's good and he's not, he's not going to bring something to you before you're ready to deal with it. But if you have a desire to want to deal with it, Many times I've seen him expedite a work in someone, not because of ambition and wanting to become, you know, or do something, but because they want to experience the embrace of their father, and more than anything, he wants you whole. All right. Um, and they shall rebuild old uh, ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. So they are repairing. Watch this. And they shall raise up former desolations. Listen to this. And they shall repair ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So you guys, after you get healed, are people who are going to be repairing what has been broken for generations. Plural. Plural. And we were speaking of Bill Johnson earlier in a text message. When you hear Bill Johnson, you're hearing someone who's a fifth or sixth generation believer. So you have the purification of his generations. So his spirit is settled. So he'll go through a traumatic event differently than people who, let's say, they didn't grow up Christian and it's new to them. So someone could be wrestling with theology, but someone else knows Jesus. So he's going to experience that same type of a situation really differently based on history. It's kind of like if you're poor and you get a flat tire, it's terrible. But if you have $10,000 in the bank, then a flat tire doesn't matter because it's just a flat tire, right? And so based upon your history, your history 
will determine how you handle things. See, there, there's, there's a book called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, and one of the things that the book spoke about is that your habits determine your reflexes. Habits. Even a pilot, in a pilot, when he hits turbulence, he will always revert back to his training. Right? So you, your history with God will determine how you handle and how you navigate rough waters. So, okay. So God wants us to be repairers of things that have generational stuff. And here's the thing. If, if you want to be a part of that, then you got to let the Lord work in you. Because when you're dealing with stuff like that, you're dealing with a high level of brokenness. And it's brokenness on brokenness, touching brokenness, pushing on brokenness, with brokenness exploding. <laughs> it's like, and so it's, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're in, a, in a house and there's water coming from the floor, the door, the windows. Like, and, and so, you know, you want to have your little scuba tank on or else you're going to die. So, okay. Um, let's go to verse 5. Strangers shall uh, stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. So exile led, instead of exile and paying tribute, they experienced the favor and the provision of God. Remember, idolatry always leads to captivity. So sin leads to exile. So instead of you being someone's slave in a foreign land, instead of you basically being a slave to a foreigner, foreigners are going to man your field. And God gave the children of Israel specific rules on how they were to treat a foreigner with dignity, with welcome, with respect, to disciple them about the one true God, the God of Israel, who manifested himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not saying you're going to be oppressing people. It's going to be saying people are going to serve you, and in serving you, they're going to come into contact with a covenant God. So I just want to make sure that that's clear, because people are like, I'm not saying you're going to have a bunch of slaves in your house. That's not, that's not what this is saying. Okay. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. You see this picture when the Queen of Sheba brings wealth to Solomon, and she brought him the best. And he didn't ask for anything, but she brought it to him. And so, but now you shall be named the priests of the Lord. In the Old Covenant, the people of God in the New Covenant are all priests who have full access to the presence of the Lord. But in the Old Covenant, only the tribe of Levi was priests. So in the kingdom, any time you receive a position of power or privilege, it always has responsibility and service attached to it. So you cannot in the kingdom separate the idea of privilege and power from service and accountability. If that, I don't know if that's helpful, but it should be helpful. Okay, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast. Let's continue into seven. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. That's speaking of money. 
um, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be in their tents. So this is interesting because instead of shame and confusion, they shall possess double and have double honor with everlasting joy. So <clears throat> the environment in your home should be one that is marked by joy. Joy. The Bible says this, that the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this is the environment of the kingdom. So the righteousness, how, how are we made righteous by God? The blood of Jesus makes us righteous. That's doctrinally. But experientially I become righteous when I do that which is right. When I'm in right standing with God. But if I'm in right standing with God, then I will be in right standing with man. Because righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. And in the kingdom you cannot have righteousness without justice. But the world wants justice without righteousness. And in the kingdom, that's not how it works. It's righteousness and justice. So anything God builds on, that's the foundation of the throne. And then the throne, the seat is mercy and the throne is grace. So I can do a whole thing on the throne, but I'm not going to do that today. Because we're going <laughs> to... We're going to stick to the script here. Okay. For I, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, this is the Father, loves justice. Now, he says this, I hate robbery for burnt offering. And, and so, robbery for burnt offering, it's like the idea of, I'm just going to do something willfully sinful and then offer a sacrifice in the temple. In our context, it's like God hates fake I'm sorry's. God is looking for real repentance, not I'm sorry I got caught. He's looking for genuine repentance which leads to change. John the Baptist talked about bringing forth fruits worthy of repentance, which means there should be real evidence if there's real repentance. And so there cannot be real reconciliation without real repentance. That's a whole other thing, so we're going to come back to the story here. Okay. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. So Yahweh, He will direct their or our work in truth but it's based on the everlasting covenant so God is relating to us this is good news I have good news for you where Adam failed and where Israel failed and where all of us had fallen short of the glory of God Jesus did not so what that means is that God does not have a covenant with Adam that's no good why because Adam can default on his loan <laughs> and the repo man to come take my, my Escalade, <laughs> which that did not happen, just so you know. But, but, but now Jesus will not default on his end of the deal. So now there is an everlasting covenant that is not mine, it's his. He's the guarantor of the loan. And he paid in his own blood. So this is good news because the only way I don't get this is if I openly, willingly, and for my whole life, reject it. So if I want it, it's mine. 
fully paid. So that, that, that's good news. Okay. So based on this everlasting covenant that the Father made with the Son, He will direct our work in truth. So that means the love and the fellowship and the commitment that the Father and the Son have with each other, they have to me in leading me and you and us into all truth if we want to be led there. That's why it's very important for you to ask Holy Spirit, show me your truth about this situation. Show me your truth about my situation. Show me your truth about this situation that I'm involved with. Show me your truth about this person. Ask him and he'll show you. It's part of the everlasting covenant. Now, you may not like what he shows you. <laughs> it may not be what you're looking to see, but he as a father will show you if that is your desire. Now, their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. So the blessing of the Lord shall be upon those who receive the gospel and their descendants. I'm going to tell you that I am for sure. I am living in the benefits of decisions that my parents made when I was a child. That's a fact. So, maybe you're not, <laughs> that's okay. But now you get to make decisions that your children get to benefit from. So don't be mad at your parents because they probably just did the best they could with what they had. And you can make decisions that will bring your children into a place of favor. I see this with my children. I see it a lot with my daughter. Um, and I see it. It's just, it's real. They are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. And so God wants to make the blessing of the Lord evident on your life because that's one of the ways that God makes the gospel attractive without compromising the integrity of the gospel. So God will bring forth the fruits of gospel kingdom life into the life of his children so people want to come into the Father's house. I mean, when you see that, you, you, you want it. It's, it's natural. Can I say something? When you see something that is better than what you have, or if you taste a new food that you're like, wow, I never had that. God uses those things not to make you jealous or greedy or covetous or uh, no, he, he kind of expands your palate as you taste and see that the Lord is good and you experience more. It's not so that you compare yourself or be jealous. It's so that God can give you some exposure because if you're not exposed to more, you won't press into more. So I hope that, that that's, you know, it's, it's not like flexing and flossing. And I got, it's, not, it's not about that. It's about God exposing you so you can grow. Okay. And, and you see this, even, I'm going to just talk finances for a minute. You see this even in the context of money where there was a man and he said, I'll build more barns. And I'll just say to my soul, you're good. We're done. <laughs> you know, like I got money. I'm good. And then in the parable, it says, you fool. Your, your soul will be required of you this day. And so the guy learns your savings can't save you. 
So when, when everything is self-focused, is self-destructive, it's the opposite when you build generational wealth. Why? Because the Bible says that a righteous man <clears throat> leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Okay? So the, the end goal is not me. Now, let me, let me say it this way. The man who can bless his children's children probably has more than the guy that was totally focused on himself. But it doesn't have him. And his motive and his handling and his perception is different. I'll give you an example. The rich young ruler, he was afraid to lose. So he couldn't receive the invitation. Zacchaeus was a crooked tax collector who had so much money. This is how crooked he was. He had so much money, he was able to return fourfold of whatever he stole. What does that mean? Deductive reasoning tells me, I'm not that smart, but I, I know some things, that Zacchaeus probably had more money than the rich young ruler. But Zacchaeus lived long enough to know that that did not satisfy him or provide him with security. So he was willing to make restitution because he had a change of heart and a change of mind. So where there's real repentance, there is a willingness, not for me to force you to do restitution, but for me to do restitution. I don't know if that's helpful. So, but, so th this is the evidence God wants to make himself known to you and to your family but in every aspect of your life, not just, I, I was singing, I felt the presence of God. Not just, oh, I got a great insight from the Bible verse. But no, in every area, that's all good. I'm not in any way demeaning any of that. I love that. Trust me. But God wants to be evident in every area of your life. Okay. So the blessing of the Lord is upon those who receive the gospel. And people will be able to clearly see the blessing of the Lord on their life. All right, we're almost done. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, the rescue, and he has clothed me and covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So he's, 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 there is a joy. Let me get into that. There is a joy, so the Messiah, the Son, is rejoicing in the Father, Yahweh, and is being joyful in his God, Elohim. That our portion, that is our portion in our position in Christ. So that level of rejoicing in the Father, rejoicing in the Son, having a heart and a soul that's full, being clothed with righteousness because Jesus was stripped, and literally putting on a robe of righteousness or prosperity. A robe. Imagine you walk around with a robe called prosperity. Yeah, I think you'd, have, you'd be joyful. But what this is trying to show you is that there's not one area of your life that should be hidden from the reality of God. From your heart, to what you wear, to your economics, to your soul, to your children, to your workplace, to your finances. God wants to invade with the kingdom 
every area of your life because he is enough and has enough. And he wants the blessing of the Lord to be upon your life so heavily that you don't have to compromise the gospel to bear witness of the resurrection and also the good news of God's kingdom that it's here, it's now, it's not just when you die, but it's actually on earth as it is in heaven. And yes, we live forever with God, but it matters how we live today with God. Okay? We're almost done. For as the earth... Uh, brings forth its bud as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So he's using two natural metaphors to, to show us something. So the Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, the Father and the Son, working together, will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. So, the Lord, Adonai, Jesus, and God, Yahweh, the Father and the Son, will cause righteousness and praise to spring up from all nations through the Holy Spirit, working in the children of God as they bring the gospel to the nations. So as we plant seeds, right? The sower went, he planted seeds were everywhere. In that parable, we learn that the problem isn't the seed, it's the soil. So as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, as disciples of Jesus, God makes good on the promise that he made to Abraham that through him and through his seed, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. But that is in the context of us going. Whether that's going across the street after Sunday service whether that's you walking across the aisle at the grocery store, whether that's us getting on a plane and literally growing across the world, that's not the most important th thing. The most important thing is that sons and daughters are sowing the seeds of the kingdom into the earth because what started with the Spirit of the Lord is upon me ends in righteousness, and praise springing forth among all nations. So we should go and preach the gospel, go and make disciples, and go and be a blessing to people because that's how God fulfills his promise to his friend Abraham through his family of faith, which is us. We've been grafted in to this family and we've been put on assignment but before we enter into the assignment, our Father wants to make sure we're well. And it doesn't mean like, okay, I'll just wait until I'm perfect and then I'll do it. That's not really how it works in real life. How it works in real life is we do what has been revealed to us and we try to walk in faithfulness to what we know. But it seems that many times we, we avoid or evade the hard and painful internal work and we exchange it for something outside and many times it doesn't last. That's why I'm not excited about excitement. You know, someone could come in fired up and, 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 you know, and is like, that's awesome and I'm super happy for you. Let's see you in 10 years. What I'm, and I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, let's allow the Lord 
to work on the inside so that we can be instruments for him. Now, the gospel is for you. The gospel is meant to work in you. The gospel transforms you. The gospel literally changes everything. Like, I mean, you just saw that. I mean, this is Bible. <laughs> um, and the gospel calls you to participate in the purposes of God in the earth. And can I say something to you? That's really dignifying. That where, where our life used to mean not all that much and we didn't really have a sense of real purpose and yet now God is saying I'm going to involve you with like the most important thing ever. <laughs> it's like people's eternity and how they experience me now and so I want to bring you in and but before I send you out and before you're and they shall rebuild and they shall repair and they shall deal with generational trauma first let's deal with theirs and so and that's okay that's because he loves us all right so Lord we thank you for this great love that you have for us father and Lord, we ask you, God, over the next four, five, six, whatever it takes, weeks, we ask you for a special grace to open up our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit so that sons and daughters would be healed, free, debts would be canceled, favor, increase, abundance, honor instead of shame, direction, clarity, confidence, humility, the great work of Jesus on the inside of your people so that the testimony of the Lord can flow through us to a world so that righteousness and praise can spring up from all nations. And so if you're listening, if you're watching, God is inviting you to be a part of this and we, we encourage you to join us on this journey over the next four or five weeks of healing and uh, of asking the Lord to do a deep work in in our in our on the inside of us in Jesus name amen amen